Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Year, session number 297. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, welcome, welcome to The Pre-Med Years. I wish I could say I'm a four-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, but... I just got back from Podcast Movement where they do the Academy Awards, the Academy of Podcaster Awards, and they didn't do them this year. So it's not like I wasn't nominated. They just didn't have the award ceremony this year. So hopefully next year they'll they'll bring back the award ceremony and then I can hopefully have the privilege of being nominated again and I can call myself a four-time nominee and four-time likely loser. Anyway, off on a tangent, I have a short episode for you today, something that came up today because I got uh, an email from a student who I'm working with and a f- I had a phone call with a student who I'm working with, both surrounding the same issue. And that issue is the MCAT score was released today. Specifically, their MCAT score was released today. And now, as we're recording this, it's the end of July, and their scores weren't where they wanted them to be. Now, I chose my words carefully there. They weren't where they wanted them to be. Not they weren't where they expected them to be. They weren't where they wanted them to be. And now they're wondering what to do because they have both submitted applications. And now they're wondering what next So let me talk to you about this strategy that several students, many students do, and I used to be against it, but now I'm starting to come around to it a little bit because I can understand from your perspective the safety that it gives you. I'm still not 100% sold on it because I'm just not, and, and I'll talk about that. And that strategy is only applying to one school when you submit your application. So when you submit your application, hopefully in early June, you are submitting it to one school only. And you're only submitting it to one school because you don't have your MCAT score back yet. And so if you followed my advice from the beginning, you would have taken the MCAT at the latest March or April of the year that you are applying. 
That means you would have your score back by the time you submit your application. And you would know your score, and you would have confidence, hopefully, to apply to more than one school. Or apply, period. But if you're not taking the MCAT until after you submit your application, then you're lacking confidence in what that score will be, but you know that you need to submit your application early to get verified because applying early is important. And so you play this game of only applying to one school. Here's the, the, the language, the specific language that I chose to, to use. It wasn't what they wanted it to be. Not it wasn't what they expected it to be. So I was on the phone with a student. We get on the phone and I had forgotten that she was waiting on her MCAT score and it was coming out and she answers the phone. We get, we're on Skype and it's very somber. You can tell something's up. And so she tells me her score. She gets a 495. And I said, remind me what your highest score was on the practice test. She said, well, my highest was 500. And the other two AMC full lengths were 494s, I think. 494s or 496s. And so I said, okay, so 495 is right where you were supposed to be. And a lot of students will hear me talk about practice tests. And I talk about how practice tests are the best way to practice, obviously, for the MCAT. And what you're scoring on your practice tests should be about equivalent to what you will score on the real thing. And they don't take into account the obvious fact that, guess what? Stress happens. Real test day jitters get to you, right? Walking into the library to simulate, quote unquote, simulate an MCAT test don't affect you the same way that the real MCAT will. And when you walk into that Pearson testing center and you see all the other students there freaking out and you're like, oh, are they, are they smarter than me? Is she smarter than me? Is he smarter than me? It, it messes with your head. And so it's not unusual to score lower on the real MCAT than you did in your practice tests. Don't be surprised. Don't think that it's a glitch in the system. That something must have gone wrong. No, it's just, it happens. Your anxiety levels are different during the real test than during the practice test. Sometimes, for some students out there, it's not as often you score much better on the real test. Everything just aligns. The questions that were asked were right in your wheelhouse. And it was perfect. But then there are other times when you're getting 495s on your practice tests. You go to the test and you get a 495 and you're like, oh, darn, it's not what I, it's not what I wanted. Well, what did you expect? Right? You, you, you can't hope for a miracle on the test day. And so my first conversation with a student was, okay, what do we do? She has a mediocre undergraduate GPA. She has great extracurriculars, great background, great story. She's a URM that adds to it. What do we do? 495, mediocre GPA. Do we apply, cross our fingers and apply and hope that there's something in her application that medical schools will want? 
that medical schools will like. You have to look at the URM card. Right, A lot of you listening are URM, underrepresented in medicine. A lot of you are URM. Do you play that card? Heck yeah, you play that card. There's a reason we use race in admissions, because we need diversity in medical schools. We need diversity with our practicing physicians. And data shows that, unfortunately, because of the implicit biases built into our system, that African-Americans score significantly less or significantly lower on the MCAT than Caucasians and Asians. Why is that? There are a lot of systemic issues there. Does that mean we should punish them for it? Nope. That's why if you look at acceptance rates, African-American acceptance rates, MCAT score-wise, they're lower. That's okay. I'm fine with that. Right? As As the white male in the room, I'm perfectly happy with that. Doesn't tell me anything other than they don't do very well on the MCAT. Why? There are a lot of reasons for that. And so the conversation that I had with her and the conversation that you should have with yourself, should you be in this same situation, is what do I do? What next? Do I apply? Mediocre GPA, 495 MCAT score, very good extracurriculars. Do I apply my... my my application's in already. It's verified. It's only in at one school. Do I add more schools? Well, let's talk about that specific scenario. What's one thing you can do? And one thing I always stress that you should be doing throughout this process. A lot of you will turn to forms. You'll run to Facebook. You'll go onto the pre-med hangout, which if you're not part of, you should be. MedicalSchoolHQ.net slash group. You'll run to Student Doctor Network. You'll run to Reddit. You'll run to my contact form and email me. And you'll say, what do I do? Why are you asking strangers who don't have any role in the admissions process? Go ask the admissions committees of the schools that you're interested in applying to and say, here's my story. Especially if you're a URM. I'm a URM. Do you have minimum cutoffs for URM students? They may say, you know what, 495, we'll take it. Apply. We'll look at you. They may say, nope, no matter what, our cutoff is 498. Sorry. Ask the schools. Go to them. Ask them. Don't ask your pre-med advisor. Don't ask Reddit. Don't ask SDN. Don't ask in the Hangout. Ask the schools. So that's number one, right? You go and you ask the schools, what do I do next? Where do I go from here? And they may tell you, apply. They may tell you, don't apply. They may tell you, apply and retake the MCAT. So those are the three options, right? I kind of laid them out. They, They tell you this. They may tell you this. So the first option is you apply. You cross your fingers. You, you, you spray and pray, right? Spray your application to as many schools as possible and hope that one looks at it and goes, we'll take a chance and invite you for an interview. The other option is you've already applied. You might as well push forward, except you are going to retake the MCAT. 
Now, depending on when you took the MCATs, when you got your score back, and when you can retake the MCAT, right, with some hopefully practice to get your score up, your practice tests up, because if you're still scoring 495s on your practice tests, there's no point in retaking the MCAT. If you were scoring 500, 505, 510 on the MCAT, your practice test, and you came in and got a 495, then I would say something went wrong on test day. Go and take the test as soon as possible. Refresh your memory. It's been a month since you've taken it. Go and refresh your memory. Go take some more practice tests. Take the test as soon as you can. Keep your applications going. Keep your secondaries going. And, and, and go and do the best that you can do on the MCAT. The third option is you withdraw your applications. Call it quits for this cycle. And it's just this cycle. It's not a failed attempt. Well, kind of a failed attempt. But you're not a failure, right? Scoring low on the MCAT does not mean that you can't be a physician. It just means just you didn't do well in the MCAT doesn't mean that your dream of becoming a physician is over. It just means that it's delayed a year. That's okay. It may give you time to save up some money for the next application cycle, save up some money for some MCAT tutoring, save up some, some money so that you can reduce your work hours, so that you can focus on the MCAT, so you can do some more volunteer activities, so you can do some more shadowing, so you can do some more clinical experience to bolster your application. But ultimately, if you're getting your score back and looking at it going, oh, crap, that's not what I want it to be, obviously the biggest thing you need to work on is the MCAT. So focus on the MCAT. And don't distract yourself with thinking, oh, well, I guess I'm taking a year off to to study for the MCAT. I might as well go do a master's. Right? But you're supposed to be studying for the MCAT. But I want an MPH. No, go study for the MCAT. But I want an MBH. No, go study for the MCAT. That is your kryptonite, at least right now. Go study for the MCAT. Be self-aware. The conversation I had with a student today, on we're on Skype, and she said, I'm dedicated I forget the exact language, but it was something about I'm dedicated to to studying on my own. And I said, why? You've proven that you can't study on your own. That studying on your own has proven that it didn't work for you. So why would you say that you're dedicated to studying on your own still? Why not get a tutor? Why not have a tutor look at you, look at your studying, look at your techniques, look at your test-taking abilities, and offer you advice on how to move forward? Remember, you can go to Next Step, get a tutor, use the promo code MSHQ to save some money, and say, you know what? I need a tutor for five hours to help me figure out where I'm going wrong with my practice tests. Not all of you are going to need a tutor to go over all the content, to go over all the practice tests, right? Those are, those are the high dollar amount packages that you can get. Some of you need that. Some of you don't. 
And for those of you who think you have the content under control, maybe it's worth a phone call to Next Step and say, hey, I'm looking for a tutor to help go over a practice test or two with me to figure out where I'm going wrong, to help me break down these questions and see where my thought process is leading me astray. You can do that. I had a while ago, I forget what episode, a student who did well on the MCAT, she used Kaplan, and then she did 10 hours of of next step tutoring and said, by far, in a way, the next step tutoring took my score to the next level because they were able to work one-on-one with me and tweak things. So as you go through this process and you're looking at your score and you're figuring out, do I retake it? Do I... Uh, Do I retake it and apply this cycle? Do I retake it and apply next cycle? You, You have to also look at the process that led you to the score that you got. And that process needs to change because if that process doesn't change, then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You're just gonna end up in the same place as you are right now, scratching your head, wondering why. Wondering if this is meant for you. It's not a fun place to be. I was there with my 26 on the MCAT. A 26 is roughly a 502 uh, on the, no, I had a, a 27, sorry. A 26 is a 500, a 27 is about a 502. And so I was like, well, what do I do, right? Is this good enough to get me into medical school? It didn't work the first cycle. Luckily, it worked the second cycle or else I would be in that same place where you are right now if you are in that spot. Well, what do I do? Do I retake it? Do I not? And remember, as you move forward through this process, once you're in medical school, you take the boards. There's no retaking the boards unless you fail. You get the score you get. So you need to start practicing to do really well on these kinds of tests you need to start figuring out how to do well on large standardized tests. That starts today. So as you move forward, you get your score back, whether that's today, whether that's tomorrow, next year, next month, whenever it is. If you are already in the middle of the application, you've submitted your applications, there are several things to do. Number one, Maybe you only applied to one school. That's great. Because now, when you apply to schools next year, you're not a reapplicant to them. They haven't seen your personal statement. You don't have to change it much. If you've pre-written your secondaries while you're waiting for your MCAT score, great. Guess what? All that stuff's already done. Most of the work is done. If you're going to reapply next year, most of the work is done. You go to your letter writers. You ask for new dates on your letters of recommendation. You're good to go. Stress-free. Focus on the MCAT. but you have to know why you failed in the first place. You have to understand that this is not the end of the line for your medical career. This is just a hiccup in the road. You have to understand that you should not go running to forms, strangers, anybody who doesn't have a say in the medical school admissions world, you should not be asking questions to. Right, you can ask me. I'm here for you. But 
going in and asking other pre-med students, especially on some of those sites, they're going to tell you, oh, there's no way, no way, oh, maybe apply to a Caribbean school, right? Go to a DO. That's what they'll tell you. But unless you're hearing it from an admissions committee member at a school that you want to apply to, ignore it. It's just noise. Figure out where you went wrong, fix it, and move forward. If you are taking some time off, continue to be consistent with your shadowing, continue to be consistent with your extracurricular activities, continue to be consistent with all of that. Because applying in a year, you still need all of that stuff and you need to be consistent with it. All right, that's all I have for you. Hopefully you're not in that boat where you get a score and you're questioning what you need to do next. But many of you will be in that boat and that's okay. Pick up the pieces, figure out where to go from here and move forward to the best of your ability. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Pre-Med Years where I have a, a lot of great episodes coming up. So don't forget to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, in Google Podcasts, in Spotify, wherever you listen. Have a great week.